Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. We're studying, using for scriptural basis, of course, the Word of God. God says in His Word in 1 Corinthians, He says that your faith would not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Well, I believe if it's in the power of God, our faith is in the power of God, we ought to know what the power is. You know, we have faith in all this natural power that we use that when we, you know, when we flip the light switch, the light's going to come on. I mean, you have faith that uh, uh, you get in your car and turn the key or push the button, whatever you got, you know, that it's going to fire up. I mean, you just take it for granted that these things work. That's your human faith in operation. Your, your, your spiritual faith ought to get the same way. I mean, I don't see, I, I've seen very few, if any, people walking out of the church. Oh, Lord, I pray my car starts. Oh, help me, Jesus. I know it's brand new and still has paper on the window, but I hope, I, I'm just believing you it's going to start. I've never seen anybody doing that. Amen? You know why? You got faith. Now, I had a few cars like that, that you know. Thank God I don't have to do that anymore. So we begin to look now. We begin to look very limitedly, and I, that was on purpose by me, at the power of the Word of God because the power of the Word of God is the one uh, uh, denomination of the whole thing or the one ingredient of the whole thing that's carried through everything, the Word. And it's really not the power of God's Word. That's really not correct biblical terminology, correct, or I like to say it like this. If you were going to say it through redemptive language, you'd say it's the Word of His power. The word of his power. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 1 and several other scriptural references when it refers to God and his power. It always puts the word word first. And I rejoice over that. That means that God has given us access to his power through his word. And so we don't have no power, pastor. Yeah, you do. You got the words full of it. Life and power. The word is full of life and power. Amen. But then we got into some in-depth study of the power of the name of Jesus. Didn't exhaust the subject. Amen. But how many of you know a little bit more about the, the, the name of Jesus than you did? That he got it in three ways. Amen. That he got it through conquest. That he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them. That he got it through having it conferred upon him by coming down from heaven and getting into the human body and made in the likeness of men and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him. Then we went over to Hebrews chapter 1, see where he got it through inheritance. Then we went to Romans chapter 8 and started shouting because we're heirs and joint heirs with him. So we have determined, now always remember this, we have determined that the name of Jesus, now how many remember this? The name of Jesus, Acts chapter 3, the name of Jesus takes the place of Jesus being personally present with us. Woo! And they, let's say that together. The name of Jesus takes the place of Jesus being personally present with us. Say that again. The name of Jesus takes the place of Jesus being personally present with us. Woo! Glory to God. I said glory to God. Therefore, when you use that name, you ought to expect it to work. Hallelujah. Then last week, just a little bit of introduction on what we're getting into now, the power, everybody say the power. 
the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, don't get me wrong. We're only looking at three sources right now. There is the power of prayer. There's the power of the blood. We may include the power of the blood. That's been kind of stirring it. But there's the power of, the, of agreement. There's the power of unity. And you notice almost everything the world is involved in takes spiritual power away from the believer, but everything in the kingdom puts spiritual power into them. Everything in the world is divisive and destructive. You know, I was just broken hearted this week. I didn't watch much of it, but I watched the conclusion of this horrible uh, uh, murder trial that took place up in South Carolina. And what grieved me was, I mean, the, the family and everything that happened, that's just beyond, beyond the comprehension of, of pain and grief, you know. I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever happened, is still beyond the comprehension of our pain and our grief. But the fact that they played that thing out day after day, week after week, as we saw a family destroyed, a community destroyed, and they kind of played it out like, hey, it's almost like it's like the Super Bowl kind of like, you know, that I, I thought, how sad. Is that what our society has evolved into? That we get our attention captivated by the destruction of a family through murder? Is that where we are as people now? Somebody's going to have to rise a little higher than that. Amen. Thank God we are. Amen? Amen. So we begin to look at these power sources and how, how God has just given us this incredible amount of power that has not been utilized, that's only been tasted for a, for a few years in several dis, different dispensations. But now at the end of this dispensation, God is putting in the heart of men and women the desire for that ability, for that power, for the supernatural, not just to work in services, but to work in our lives as God saves us and preserves us from the perilous times that are upon the earth. I mean, wouldn't you like for God to give you a word of knowledge when you're on your way somewhere and by taking that route, you would be involved in a wreck and God says, don't go that way, go this way and you go that way and no wreck happens? Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, God is so good to take care of us, but many times we must understand that God is also wanting to stimulate that power on the inside of us because as He is taking care of us, there are those that don't know what we know that we should be taking care of them. I didn't like that, amen. Uh, we're real big on God taking care of us. But what about us taking care of others? Each other's and those around us. That's why God likes to empower us, not just for ourselves, but for others. So we begin to look. We looked over in John chapter 14, and I think this is something you should establish. This helps you get away from denominational thinking. Now, this is something that, that we must understand. I'm doing a bunch of... Uh, 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 of touch-ups on some of my books I'm going to give to Miss Linda, and I know that she's very meticulous with her English and stuff, so I'm doing a little bit of correction. But uh, 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 one of the, 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 the statements I made was that God has given faith to all the world. Anybody that desires faith can have it by the Word. But with that faith, they can live a life that's not natural in a natural world. Yeah, you ever thought when we were kids, now we, we weren't allowed to do it, but we did it anyway. We weren't supposed to watch two, two different shows. I grew up Pentecostal in the Assemblies of God. And back in the 60s and 70s, you know, they still had a lot of rules. So there were two shows we should, uh, couldn't, weren't supposed to watch. That was Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie. We weren't supposed to watch them. But you know, if you ever watched one of those shows, you kind of marvel at, wow, what if there was somebody like that? That could wiggle their nose or go like this. And Did you know you have more than that? Did you know you have more than that? 
The problem is because you don't think it operates like Hollywood says it's supposed to. You think you don't have it. But who cares what Hollywood says and how it's supposed to operate? God says you have it and He'll show you how to operate in it. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're studying, we saw in John chapter 14, that the Spirit of God has a twofold working. Number one, the Spirit of God that abides. John 14 says He will be with you and be in you. Everybody say in you. So there is that first working of the Spirit of God. Your baptism, no water in that word, into the body of Christ, the new birth. Being born again. Everybody say born again. The Spirit of God comes into you with a particular dimension of power that's very unique. Changes your habits, changes your personality, changes your desires. Think of all the things you had no desire for once you got saved. Amen. Not only that, it gave you an answer about what to do with your flesh and your mind. You present your body a living sacrifice. You renew your mind so you won't conform to this world, but you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You think differently. You act differently. You walk differently. You talk differently. You see things differently. You have all of the attributes of a supernatural God working in your life, but you're in a natural world. You should be the one with the greatest advantage. You should be the one with the greatest life enhancement on this planet, but the problem problem with the church is, here's my phrase, we've been religiously brainwashed instead of New Testament taught. So that's why we're New Testament teaching. That's why when I say things that may challenge your, 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 your religious brainwashing, I try to make sure to get it over, over to you so that you're not just listening to it because that's what we tend to do when, we, when, we, we, when we're involved in a situation of being in a service and the Word is going forth and something challenges your, your, your religious mindset, you tend to quit hearing and start listening. That was a good mm-hmm. But it's true. Amen. You know, being delivered from dead works is not being delivered from sin. When Paul talked about dead works, he was talking about anything that had a religious connotation to it but had no basis in the Word of God. He said that is dead works. Anyhow, John chapter 3. The Spirit of God that abides, the Spirit of God that empowers. Now, Jesus said in John chapter 14, He will be with you, and He will be in you. When you are born again, and I tell you what, people would say things like, well, if you could just feel that, it'd probably kill you. Your physical body, if the true emotion of your spirit man being annihilated with a death supplied on a cross for you, and then by His resurrection power, a new spirit on the inside of you, you become a new creature. If you felt that, you probably couldn't handle that. Amen? But that is the essence of what happens in the new birth. The Spirit of God comes into your human spirit. He does not do a restoration job. He uses the force provided by Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the force of death. For the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. When we come to Christ, we come to the cross. 
I said, when we come to Christ, we come to his cross. Why do we come to his cross? Because at the cross, a death was provided. What is death? Death is separation. And you need to be separated from who you were born to be so that you can be born again to be what God has called you to be. Woohoo! So God's not going to do that through religious or theological rhetoric. He's going to put himself on the inside of you. Glory to God. Born again. Now let's look at that just a moment. Got to tell you John chapter 3. Verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, did you notice something? I never noticed that before. Fernando, I never noticed that. He wasn't asking a question. I thought for years he was asking a question. He wasn't asking a question. He's just making a statement. He's standing there by Jesus. I guess he just turned to Jesus. You know, Jesus, we, we, man, we know you come from God because ain't nobody can do the miracles you're doing. So he really wasn't asking a question. But now Jesus gives him an answer. I like to say it like this. Jesus gives him an answer to something he wasn't asking. Did you know Jesus has the ability of giving you an answer of something you're not asking? Thought I'd throw that out there. Jesus answered and said unto him. Now this is unique because there are some things that we may think are just a statement of fact that we may need an answer for. And we don't know what we're asking is a question, but God does. We'll get get into some of that later. Jesus answered and said unto him, now notice this, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man or a woman, now listen to this, be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now notice that again. We take it for granted. We know these things. Jesus speaking with Nicodemus. Nicodemus not being born again, but Nicodemus observing the miracles that Jesus was doing. And Jesus turned to him and could read the question before Nicodemus could answer and supplied the answer to Nicodemus by revelation knowledge. Nicodemus, unless you're born again... Now listen to that terminology... Jesus is the one that coined the phrase born again. It really upsets me when people belittle that term. You say, why? Well, you're not one of those born again Christians. Absolutely, without exception, so thankful to God for his mercy and grace. Yes, I am born again. Exactly what's being talked about in John chapter 3. That's me. Born again. Born again. Born again. So Nicodemus is like, all right. Nicodemus said to him, now look at this. He's a what? He's a Pharisee. That means he's, he's how can you say this? He's, uh, he is uh, educated in the ways of the Levitical but he's formally educated. Not just coming to, uh, uh, to the uh, services at the temple, 
or at the synagogue, but sitting in, going to the university, becoming a Pharisee, getting his degree. Amen. But notice, he's, he's still in the realm of the mind. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when, he, when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said unto him, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, in this teaching, this week, next week, and maybe the next week, we're going to kill a lot of sacred cows. You say, why is that? Because that, there is a lot of thinking out there that needs to be corrected by the Word of God that will open the door for the Spirit of God to be poured out. You say, now why do you say that? Because the last day's indication of the reality of God is the outpouring of the Spirit. You say, now where do you get that? Out of Joel chapter 2. In the last days, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. You ever read that? You say, well, I thought that meant the day of Pentecost. It meant that the day of Pentecost began a dispensation in which the Spirit of God was going to begin to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. But we have not enjoyed the fullness of it yet, but our dispensation and our generation is scheduled for it. You say, why? Because we're living in those perilous times in which God says, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. So this first outpouring needs to be people getting born again. Amen. Now Nicodemus goes right into natural thinking. Well, how can I get born again? Can I enter again into my mother's womb and be born a second time? Well, I mean, you know that's ridiculous to even think that. Amen. But Jesus is now, listen, dude. I guess he kind of talked like that. He says, now listen, dude. Listen. Unless you're born of the water... And of the Spirit. So what is religion? See, remember, we're not being religiously brainwashed, right? We're being New Testament taught. So I'm telling you, there's denominations that if you look at their denominational statement in it, they pull their denominational statement out of this scripture and they're wrong. You've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. They think that's water baptism and the new birth. That's not the first thing that qualifies you to be born again. Do you know what that is? To be born. You have to be born of the water. Now remember Jesus' words. He's speaking not just into the natural realm. He's speaking into the spirit realm. He's speaking into the heavenly realm. And he's speaking into the demonic realm. That's why he had such instant submission from demons when they saw him. Hey, what are you doing here? This ain't the right time. They knew. They knew and the church doesn't know today. We'll get back into that later. Amen. But he's saying, look, dude. He says, first of all, You've got to be born of water. Amen. Husbands, fathers, you know the the word? The water broke. We're on the way to the hospital. We're going to have a baby. It's going to be a human, not wannabe. Human tried it. No, it's going to be a human being. It's going to be born of water. But then one day we'll come, he'll have to be what? Born of the Spirit. So it's not water baptism. No, no, it's being born. You say, now why would it say that? Because Jesus could not open the door for any other realm to come into the new birth. Only the human beings on the earth after the resurrection are those ones that are really available. That salvation is available to us. Aren't you glad that you weren't born 
way back in Egypt somewhere or in Mesopotamia or, or in Macedonia. No, you were born now and you're alive now and you can be born again. Yeah. Woo, glory to God. Now notice what he says. He says, lest a man be born of water, he's got to be born first. And of the Spirit, then you need to get born of man. He cannot enter into. So he said, you cannot see nor enter into. One translation says this, unless you're born again, you cannot see, understand, comprehend, nor enter into. That means you know nothing about it. That's why, listen, in your witness to those that don't know the Lord, they don't need to know about tithing. They don't need to know about speaking in tongues. They don't need to know about the gifts of the Spirit. They need to know about Jesus. I mean, they've been born of water. Now they need the Spirit. Amen? And they do not know what you know. They do not understand what you understand. They don't see what you see. And you have to have mercy on them. And you have to talk to them. And you have to educate them. And you have to give them knowledge. And you have to bring them to the point of a decision so that they can be born again. Amen? Now, notice, notice the next scripture. He says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus was always an illustrative preacher. He used nature. He used all kinds of stuff to illustrate. Here he's talking about wind. He says, now the wind bloweth, bloweth. He's literally talking about the dynamic of wind that bloweth and moves things as it blows as far as growth is concerned. You say, what do you mean by that? That force of wind in trees, in plants. I, I've always used this illustration because I see it more predominantly there than I do anywhere else. I like to go down to, to Rockport and Aransas Pass. I got a couple of friends that are in the fishing business down there and I go fish with them. And the, the mesquite trees, all of them down there, it looks like they're all growing from the southeast to the northwest. It looks like they have a, have a, have a just a bend that way. But that's, they're growing that way because of the wind. If you've ever been on that part of the coast from about mid-April till about mid-September, the wind blows about 40 miles an hour down there every day. And it blows and blows. Now that's during when? That's during growing season. So when those, those mesquite trees, when they're gathering that moisture and, and getting all they need to grow, what do they do? They're growing, but there's something else pushing on them that is being, and you don't see it. You don't say, look at that tree growing to the northwest like that. You don't ever say that. But when you're down there, you notice all the trees are bending that way. And you never see it happening. Jesus said the Spirit's the same way. It gets on the inside of you and starts blowing. Next thing you know, people begin to see you're not the same person you used to be. You're bending in another direction. You're growing in another. You're not growing in your alcoholism, your drug addiction, your greed, and your, and your, and your perversion. You're not growing in that. No, you're growing in faith, and you're growing in the things of the Spirit, and your life begins to bend in another direction, and that bend of the new birth, people notice that. Well, I ain't seen you at the bar in a few months. We ain't seen you doing this. I ain't seen you. No, you're bending in another direction. Now you're born of the Spirit and you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you and the old iniquity that motivated you is gone. That's why you'll make a miserable backslider. You really will. The party won't build, the, 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 the booze won't taste the same, the weed won't do the same thing to you, the pervert, it's not going to be the same. You say, why? Because you're not the same. 
and you're violating an inward impulse when you sin now. Thank God he's given us forgiveness. The Bible says if we'll just confess it to him, then he'll cleanse us from sin and all unrighteousness and restore us. Amen? But now see that force on the inside of you, the new birth. Jesus likens it to being born. So that shows us that when people are born again, they begin in a babyhood state. So when you get born again, you're just a little baby in the spirit. You're innocent. Have you ever noticed, and I've noticed this for years, I've always noticed, especially when I used to travel and I would be in a healing line or be ministering to people by the spirit and somebody would really just, I mean, you'd go lay hands on them and they just, you could just feel the anointing just, go, whoa, just, just rush out of you and hit them and next thing you know, they're either healed or separate and you wonder, hmm, and usually the pastor would say, you know, those people just got saved a couple of weeks ago. And I've noticed that for years. Now, pastoring, I've really noticed. People come to the altar that are just born again. You can get them healed of anything, set free of anything. Deliver. Why? They're babies. They're little babies. They're innocent. They can't fend for themselves. They can't fight for themselves. They need to be ministered to. And in reality, it's not just the pastor that should be ministered to him. It's the whole church. It's the whole body ministers to them. Amen? But it's amazing. Then you, you, you go a year, two years, three years, four years. You'll find out. It's not, you can't just come down to the altar and get healed anymore. Why? Because God expects you to grow. And he expects you to outgrow or, or grow out of. You say, what do you mean by that? Some things in life you get delivered from. I love that. I mean, you got a problem. You're sitting out there. God gives a word of knowledge. Something happens. You come up to an altar, even right there where you're sitting, it can happen. Boom. You had it. It's gone. You got delivered out of. Out of it. But, oh, excuse me, you got delivered from it. Excuse me. Get my thoughts messed up here. You got delivered from that. 99% of the time, this gives the Holy Ghost an operation. But about 80% of everything we go through, we're not going to get delivered from it. We're going to have to get delivered out of it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I heard somebody yesterday say something. It was God's listening to an interview. And the, and the person interviewing said, well, you know, the devil has no power. Has no power. And uh, the person being interviewed said, yeah, really the, the only power the devil has is the power that you give him, but he does have power. Yeah. And so I started listening. When he said that, I, I wanted to hear what they had to say. And so what they began to say was very interesting. They said, you know, he has the power of fear. He has the power of hate. He uses the power of a lie. And this person began to expound on all of these negative things that we attribute to the devil. And when they finished expounding, I began to think, you know, he does have power. And if we understand the type of power that he has and our victory over that, he can't, har he can't hurt us no more. He can't harm us no more. He can't, he, can't, he can't mess with our minds no more. He can't mess with our body. That doesn't mean he won't attack. He's a criminal spirit. But listen, you are born 
of the Spirit. You are born from above. You now carry a spiritual DNA this world knows nothing about. You are born from heaven. You are a citizen of heaven. God takes it very personally when his children on the earth are attacked and he has given great provision and blessing in the earth for us at the most critical time in earth when the earth is literally in turmoil for the church to be at peace and revival and a move of God and for God's people to be more blessed than they've ever been because this is the time when against the backdrop of the darkness of everything that's happening, the light of God is going to shine the brightest. So, if you're born again, the Spirit of God abides on the inside of you. The greater one is in you. I don't know why God did not put the stimulation of feeling in there, but He called us to live by faith, not by feelings. I know that God very much looks upon the church as a very different group of people throughout eternity. It won't be the Old Testament saints. It won't be the tribulation saints. It won't be the millennium saints. It will be the church that God will use throughout eternity and the vast expanses of time and space to do whatever his plan is. He's going to use who? The church. The church. Why? Because, you know, a million years ago, those are the people that when they couldn't see me, they believed me. When they couldn't hear me, they believed me. When they couldn't taste me or feel me, they, they believed me. They believed me for salvation. They believed me for healing. They believed me. They believed me. Couldn't see me. I didn't give them any feelings. I didn't give them the, I gave them the Holy Ghost to live on the inside and I gave them the Word. Then I empowered them with the Holy Ghost and yeah, we'd get emotional every once in a while, but really they had to learn to live by faith. They believed me. They loved me. They worshiped me. They glorified me by faith. You think I ain't going to use them? See, the old covenant was very sensual. Lots of emotion, lots of feeling. The glory of God, very, very powerful when it came to feeling. Not the new covenant. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Therefore, we've studied in the Word, as we're studying redemption on Wednesday nights, if you're born again, then you're described by the Bible as what? A new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things are new for you. Could there really be a place in life, in your life, whether you're six years old like I was or 60 years old like some may be, in which your life can radically change? Yes. The day you get born again. The day you get born again. And it doesn't change because change took place that day. It's because when you said yes to Jesus and got born again, you were made brand new. And let me just, let me throw this out. Being made brand new, the greatest advantage of being made brand new is it puts a no in you that you used to not have and it puts a yes in you that it used to not have and it gets rid of a yes in you that you used to have and a no in you that you used to have. Did you get that? Did you get, did you know that's a miracle? Did you know that's a miracle? That's the miracle of the new birth. We ought to thank God. You know, one of the first things the children of Israel did when they prepared to go in and possess the promised land in Joshua chapter 5, they began to celebrate the Passover. You know, salvation is our Passover. I said salvation is our Passover. And every day we ought to pop out of bed and put our hands up and say, thank God I'm saved. The worst thing that could happen to me because I'm a human being on the earth is the best thing that could happen to me because I'm a believer. Amen. You say, what is that? 
to die. For me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. I mean, how many times we get up and preach? Boy, they've sure gained now. Yes, they have. Because now they live in the glory of God. Amen. Lift your hands up and thank him. Where's Brother Frank? Does he still work here? There he is. <laughs> glory to God. Amen, amen. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. Hallelujah. What's so good about God? He knows the frailty of human weakness, especially after 6,000 years of the fall. Being born again is such a phenomenal miracle. Gives you brand new life. Your sins are not forgiven. They're remitted. That means they're removed as far as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. But also what's good about God is God knew we made mistakes. Anybody ever made a mistake? We get away from God. We get cold and we get indifferent. God says there's a way back. There's a way back. If you get in trouble, get in sin, tell it to God. Confess it to Him. See, we think we ought to confess it to man. Don't do that. Please don't come tell me about your sin. You say, why not? I'll tell Liz. She'll tell everybody in the church. (laughs) Amen? No, you tell it to the Lord. You don't need to confess to a priest. Pastor, I need a confession. Tell it to God. Tell it to God then the Bible says He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all sin and all unrighteousness. We need to keep ourselves clean, keep ourselves free. Every head bowed, every eye closed, real quick. You're here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me, I'm not living right, I'm not doing right. I need to be right with God, please pray for me. Anyone at all, lift your hand up. Lift your hand, we'll pray for you. One hand, God bless you. You can put it down once you've raised it. Anyone else would raise your hand, say, that's me. I just need prayer this morning. I need to be right with God. We're not going to call you up front. We're not going to do anything like that. We're just going to all stand and pray one public prayer. One has raised their hand. Another, God bless you. That's two that have raised their hand. Three, four, God bless you. You can put it down. Once you've raised it, you don't have to raise it a second time. Anyone else, that's four people have raised their hand. Anyone else, we love you. We care about you. Want want you to be right with God. Want you to know Him. But more than that, He wants to know you. He's reaching out to you right now, pulling on the heartstrings of your life. One more time. Four have lifted their hand. If you've not lifted your hand and you say, include me in that prayer, Brother Rusty, lift your hand right now. Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise God. Praise God. Good. Stand on your feet. Praise God. Now, for all of you that lifted your hand, I want you to pray right there where you're standing. But I want you to pray out loud so your own ears can hear it. And then after you've prayed that, maybe to a friend or someone around you, just tell them that you prayed that prayer because it's good to testify. It's good to tell people I'm right with God. My sins are forgiven. Amen? Praise God. So we're going to pray a prayer out loud. The whole church is. And as we pray, all of you that lifted your hand, you pray this prayer also. And we'll believe God. Everyone in the building will be right and will stay right. Amen? Ready, church? Here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus your son and my Savior. Today at Island Church, as I stand in the congregation, I declare my faith 
and I declare my salvation. Thank you, Jesus. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I believe the Scripture. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you, God, raised your Son, Jesus, from the dead. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to the earth, living a sinless life, dying on the cross, being raised from the dead. You did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it. Areas of my life that do not please you, Lord, forgive me. I ask your forgiveness. Thank you, Father, that the blood of your Son right now cleanses me from all sin and all unrighteousness. As I stand in Island Church, the first Sunday of March 2023, I am right with God. I am born again as the Scripture declares. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never in Jesus' name. Now give Him glory and honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, I prayed that prayer when I was six years old and was born again. I prayed that prayer again when I was 28 years old and got right with God and have stayed right for 40 years. So it works. Everybody say, it works. You just got to work it. Amen. Praise God. Don't forget prayer tonight. What time is our prayer service? Seven? Seven o'clock prayer tonight. Be sure and come. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we bless every person that has come, every person watching. We declare no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh us. Angels have charge over us. Devil, you're a liar. We stand against your traps, your evil schemes and plans, and we say the blood of Jesus is against you. Father, we thank you according to Psalms 91, a blessed, protected, and safe week. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh us. Angels have charge. Thank you, Lord, whether we travel on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we are protected. Thank you, Father. The righteous labor of our hands, our jobs, our businesses, our, if we're students, teachers, everywhere we go, we thank you. That protection surrounds us. Lord, we thank you for the witness of our heart, the fire of evangelism. Lord, the day and hour in which we live, let us awaken unto righteousness in this day and hour and recognize the days are short, the time is slipping through our hands, and we must be busy about the Master's business. Thank you, Lord, as we leave today. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. Thank you for our church. We walk in love one toward another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You have called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.